0: Greetings from the Long Island Sound Podcast. Welcome to the show. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. And call our listener line and leave a message for our guests. Dial 631-800-3579. All right. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast, where we explore the muse and the music. From the North Shore to the South Shore, from New York City to the Hamptons navigating the wellspring of original music from singer-songwriters and musicians from Long Island, New York. Hi, I'm Steve Yusko from GigDestiny.com. Stay tuned as we explore the Long Island sound. Have I got a wonderful guest for you today. Pete Mancini, who hails from Queens, was the frontman and songwriter for Butcher's Blind Band. He has opened up For acts such as Jimmy Webb, Blues Traveler, Gin Blossoms, Pure Prairie League, Robert Foulkes, Amy Helm and Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams, Kevin Gordon and Ian Matthews. What a great conversation. We'll hear songs from his new album, Killing the Old Ways. Now let's listen to the title track. i a Pete Mancini recently and discovered his honest songwriting and familiar voice which supports his unique style and craftsmanship with the guitar. I told a friend that I was to have Pete as my guest tonight and it so happens that my friend Mike Nugent worked on the Butcher's Blind Band album. Mike recalled that Pete's talent really shined in the group. So now the front man of Butcher's Blind is out in front on his own touring and showcasing his new album, Killing the Old Ways. I'm so happy to have Pete Mancini on the show. Hey, welcome to the Long Island Sound Podcast,
1: Pete. Good to hey, see you. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, and what was kind of unique is I actually usually just meet my guests like this virtually, uh, but I happened to stop by that uh, round that you were doing with Nico uh, Payton and Anne O'Rourke, and I think Gizmo, or Gizmondo, or, and... Uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really nice to meet you beforehand. So, uh,
1: yeah, that was a fun night. Um, I love playing Beerys. So
0: yeah. It's in, and, uh, I don't know if you know this, Steve Beery and I were in the same Boy Scout troop. So, uh, uh I didn't know. Yeah.
1: That. Yeah.
0: He was like, you know, my big buddy protecting me. <laughs> so, Very cool. Uh, it's a, it's always good to see him. And, uh, just a little plug for, uh, Mr. Beery's. He's a great supporter of original music here on Long Island. So, uh. We need more guys like him out there, uh, you know, exposing your art in, in, out in the music
1: place. So you're from Queens from my understanding, you still in Queens or still in Queens, Belrose, um, where I grew up. Um, it's right on the, uh, Nassau Queens border. And mm-hmm. I've always kind of had, you know, one foot in Nassau, one foot in Queens musically, uh, playing all over right the, by the island,
0: right by the, right by the track.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And right over there. Know. And, um, yeah. So, um, it's been a big, uh, big influence on me. Being like the central location here, so
0: it's nice. It's kind of smack. For those who don't know, it's kind of a little bit west towards New York City, but fairly smack in the middle of Long Island. You can get to everything on Long Island in 20 minutes at two o'clock in the morning when there's no traffic. So um, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the key to that. Yeah. So where where did it all begin for you as far as? Um, uh, you know, an instrument or singing or, Hey, I can be a singer
1: songwriter. What, what really kind of, what was the epiphany moment for you? Oh, uh, it's funny. Cause I was just talking about this with, uh, Nico the other night and, um, yeah, I grew up in a very musical household. My mom played piano. My dad, he used to play oboe and, hmm. um, you know, we always had records going. We had the Beatles, Clapton, Four Seasons were big favorites. And, um, I played piano and violin as a kid, but they didn't really stick. You know, the classical Mm. approach didn't resonate with me. And I just considered myself a failure because I couldn't get it. So I just thought that was it. You know, I tried music. That's it. (laughs) And uh, in high school, I saw Jack White playing Death Letter and Seven Nation Army at the VMAs. Oh, great. Beck did this really cool, like, spoken word intro for them. And I was like, you know, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I have to play guitar. I went out and I I got my first guitar. In high school? In In high school. school. Yeah, Yeah. I started when I was 16. And that's when I started playing in earnest. It was cool because in that moment, you know, you heard this great White Stripes song, but also he played the Sun House song. So, you know, in that moment, you got punk rock, you got blues, you know, it opened several doors for me and like i started seeking out old blues records and uh i had a blues band with some friends and um you know we were listening to elmore james and stuff. you know every high school kid is like obsessed with led zeppelin for a while right right uh you know we were like oh who were they listening to and you know we found out a lot of cool music that way Almond brothers and just going back following the trail with their influences and uh, a few years later uh in well one year later really uh senior year my buddy passed me a note in class with like a list of songs i had to check out and one of those songs was theologians by wilco okay yeah that song i don't know if you've ever had the experience where a song just hits you at the right time in your life and just knocks you on your ass and Mm. um pulls you apart puts you back together again i just like was my life was changed by this song and um after that, it was like just all about learning to write songs. And my life has had a singular focus since that day. And um, that was pretty much how it started. And um, it's, been, it's been a cool ride ever since. You know, you know it's interesting. I, I did watch that, uh, that
0: Wilco um, uh, video that you did. And, and for those who don't know, I put chapter marks in the podcast. So anything we discuss, people we discuss – like Jack White and, and links to, um, Pete's videos and and music will be right in the chapter notes. So you can jump right to it and we'll, you'll see images change with that. What I think is really neat. I really love Jack White, by the way, I think Jack White is, is like one of those original guys that, um, you know, he, he just, he just plays, he plays on a, you know, a, a cheap Japanese guitar and he's like a garage band guy and he's not afraid to be himself. And yet, you know, I think he's really great at what he does and he's, reinvented himself with the blue hair and stuff, uh, recently he's yeah. going back on tour and, um, and it's funny you mentioned him and, and, uh, Led Zeppelin in, in the same comment. And I remember seeing a video with him, uh, and, uh, the lead guitarist, uh, for Led Zeppelin, who I just drew a blank because I'm old. Uh, Jimmy um, Page. Jimmy Page. Yeah. He did, he did that. And with, uh, one of the guys from U2, uh, did this little thing where they're kind of trading riffs and stuff like that, which is really, really neat. But I, I find it interesting that there was a, a particular song, the Wilco song that kind of, kind of hammered it home for you, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and what, what did that do? Did you like, so you're, you're building a foundation of, all right, what did these guys study? Who did they listen to? But now I can do it, you know, did, so I guess the next question for me is I'm always curious about this, uh, is how you capture the muse, you know, um, uh, I think everyone has the ability, but I think most of us don't woodshed it to really kind of take it when we hear it and write it down and then explore mm-hmm. it. So how does, how does it hit you? I guess like, yeah. do you sit down and do you sit down and write or, you know, in the
1: moment? Um, I, you know, so you, you, you made a lot of great comments there and, and I'd agree that it's something that anyone could do, but it's a skill that you have to hone and I'm, You know, I I do sit down and write, but there's a lot of like, you know, you just write throughout your day, you're walking around, you you hear a lyric or a melody or something. There's no like, uh, what comes first? A lot of people ask what comes first, the music or the words. And then there's no right answer to that. It's always songs come from everywhere and you just kind of have to pluck them out of the air and write them down. And it takes a lot of trial and error. Like when I first started writing songs, I just was real hard on myself and uh you know didn't like what i was writing at all and then eventually you hit one and you're like oh all right i like how it came out yeah and and then from there it's just a matter you you keep going you keep exercising that muscle and eventually you start to write songs that you like and and believe in and songs that you want to play out and, and perform and uh if you like it, someone else will connect with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's really the only metric you have to go by. Um, and, you know, there's like, you can like get it in your head and like, oh, I'm not writing songs that are, you know, as good as, you know, the people I'm listening to, but you could kind of, you know, trip yourself up if you, if you go, you know, put these limitations on yourself, you can only be better than yourself. So that's right. what's guided me my whole
0: yeah, ex- exactly. Nice. I think when, you, when you're when you true to yourself, too, and, and you can explore it. I know, I, I, I think songwriting is akin to creative writing in some ways in that, you know, early in my creative writing, you know, I used to edit on the fly. And, you know, I don't know if I, somebody told me that, but I, I said, I can't do that. I just got to throw the thoughts down revisit them revisit them revisit them hone and edit editing is 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 key
2: mm-hmm. but
0: to, to dismiss out of hand is I think a bad thing because yeah. it may be coming to you it may be coming to you for a reason here's another thing it's I, mean, I don't know if it strikes you this way I've written poetry and stuff and <laughs> this makes out maybe because I'm older now I used to, if I something was driven in that in the phrases I'd get choked up about it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel a little bit of emotion that, and to me, that was like, there's something there, there's something there to share, you know, and, and I don't know if that's the case with you or.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and know? it's been happening to me more recently, um, where, you know, if, if I hit a certain phrase and it is, you know, you feel emotions start to well up, it's like, all right, well, then that's gotta be that way, you know? Yeah. I'm on, and, I'm on, uh, I'm on to something here. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's just a lot of trial and error, and it's a lot of just the more you do it, the better you, you get at it. Right. So, so now
0: that you're, you're out on your own, are you what I call a sole practitioner when it comes to writing and, and putting the music together? And was it different when you were in the band? Were you? I know you were the front man for the band, but were you the, the main um, writer,
1: songwriter for the band, or was
0: it more collaborative?
1: Yeah, I was the uh, primary songwriter in in the band and I would bring the songs in and we would you know work on the arrangements together. So, you know, uh it was filtered through all of our influences. So, mm-hmm. I would have that initial chords, melody, words and then I would we would shape it into something that was Butcher's Blind, you know, that was that was our that was, sound. Right, right. And uh now I just, you know, I write mostly myself, but I also I love co-writing. And, uh, this last album, I co-wrote a lot with, uh, the producer, Matt Patton from the drive-by truckers. And, you know, what he was so great at was, you know, let's find a different way to say this phrase. Hmm. And he has his whole, you know, he, he's from the South, he's from Alabama and, um, you know, he had a whole different perspective. So his, his suggestions were great and they took the songs to a new level and, um, yeah you know co-writing i've co-written with a lot of different people over the years i co-wrote with my friend travis mckeveney a lot and um he was a brilliant writer and you was learn... that the
0: guy from, from the island who passed away last year yeah yeah, yeah we... i'm sorry sorry to hear that well yeah he um
1: passed away unexpectedly last year and um you know we're in the process of of getting his third album uh over the finish line oh nice and um we're keeping that going uh But yeah, you know, co-writing for me has always been, I love it because, you know, you end up with something that you never would have got to yourself. Um, When it works, it's great. And, um, you know, if you're, if you have a good co-write chemistry with someone, that's, that's always, you know.
0: Yeah, I think, I I think that's the key. It's, it's wading through to get to that chemistry, should it be there uh, and understand how, you know, you talked about the gentleman from the South and, you know, perspectives and communication. We just talk different, you know, about different things. Mm-hmm. And I think once we connect with whoever we're collaborating with and say, Hey, you know what? They're looking out for the song and it may have hit my ear as being a real criticism, but it's really, it's, it's to the benefit of, of the song. And I, I think you got to wade through that. Um, particularly if you have multiple people in the room, because then, then it's uh, kind of a stew of emotions that can can ride around, you know. Yeah. And somebody's and somebody's got to be in charge, you know, somebody's got to take charge with what you do and and drive it home, I guess, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. so we so we heard um the title track to the the album you have out Killing Killing the Old Ways before we came into the podcast. You want to tell me how that came about a little bit about that.
1: Uh yeah, sure. Um so that song, that was one of the co-writes with Travis And, um, he was, you know, recalling a conversation he had with a friend and, um, it was just kind of a, you know, heavy topic and, you know, kind of a loaded conversation and, uh, you know, it kind of inspired that, that song I had written a little bit, but I was stuck on it and I brought it to Travis as I often would. Mm. And what he was so brilliant at and what made him such an amazing writer was that he could take a song and bring it to that next level of artistry where it really kind of, you know, and I'm, I realize it more now. Um, but he really brought songs to that next level. And, um, he took the second verse of that song and just wrote this, this beautiful imagery that kind of captured the, the message. And, and, um, I was really happy with how that came out. We originally wrote it in Waltz time and, uh, Patton, um, when we were recording it, he said, let's do it in four. And it became this kind of, hmm. you know, marching folk thing. And it, you know, it, I think it suits the the song so much better. So again, it's like a three part collaboration there. And, um, that song kind of, it's about the relationship between, uh, generations, uh, I guess through the lens of a parent child relationship. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, uh, you know, Killing the Old Ways, when we were picking the album title, you know, we were kind of going through a lot of tumultuous things as a society, pandemic. Uh, sure. Um, a lot of protests uh, in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it just seemed like it it fit the times in which we made the album. So um, that, decided, that was a good focal point for the album. Yeah, that, that's what
0: I really love about music. And particularly now... I think there are more artists that are willing to take on, especially indie artists, social justice issues. You know, uh, I think an independent artist is not afraid to offend his his audience and and take a stand on on a righteous theme, and and point to things. I, I think that that we need more of that, and that's where, um, you know, with this podcast and uh, you know, I. Obviously, I'm 60 years old, so I have, you know, my my favorites, but I started to listen to WFUV uh, in the city, which really kind of opened me up to, oh, boy, because you can get stuck in the pop radio or, or a particular genre if you dial into Cirrus or even even on, um, you know, Spotify, you know, where, where the algorithm is telling you what you need to hear because, yeah. you yeah, you, you like Tom Jones, so you're going to like this, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And I think I think uh I'm yapping away here, I apologize, <laughs> is is we need that ability to discover things on our own. And yeah. that's and that's what I like about this. I mean, I love talking to musicians because I really it inspires me how you guys, one, how you would shed your craft and and by the way, you're an excellent guitarist. I mean, I really listen to you on Sunday night and uh you do you do a phenomenal job. So it mean, put that put that out there. I appreciate but it's, that. It's finding these other platforms to say, I just don't want the old ways, you know, to, yeah. to, to kind of pigeon, you know, put that together,
1: you know, give me new things to discover and I'll I'll stay young and keep moving along. A hundred percent. You know, I, I definitely don't want a computer telling me what I should listen to. <laughs> you know, I do my own research. I, I care a lot about music. So I seek out music and, you know, I find it and it's the one obsession in my life i let it run wild because you know i need to hear new sounds to be inspired and definitely buy way too many records and uh cds but you know like it's again it's the one thing you know i eh, this yeah, one's okay it, i need this it, it's
0: it's all the it's all the building blocks i'm reminiscing about the uh the lp collection i have in a friend's apartment that's 30 years and i hope it's just that not melted away yeah. but uh I'll get it. I'll get it back someday. Yeah, go get it, man. Go get it. You know, maybe I will. Well, no, I gotta finish the podcast first. But then, (laughs) 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 hey, why don't we? Why don't we do this? Let's take a a a quick break, and when we come back, I just want to talk about um, a little bit more about songwriting and and your approach. And uh, we'll be right back after this. Hang on with us. On Sunday, June 26th, join WUSB for an anniversary brunch celebration at 1130 a.m. in the Stony
1: Brook Union Ballroom.
0: And on Wednesday, June 29th at 8 p.m., celebrate the station's 45th anniversary at the WUSB Anniversary Concert at the Stoller Center for the Arts in Stony Brook, New York. Find tickets to all these events and details at WUSB.fm. Listen to WUSB Radio at 90.1 and 107.3 FM. Stream WUSB live 24-7 online at WUSB.FM. Hey, everybody. We're back. We're here with Pete Mancini. We're talking about his uh, new album, Killing the Old Ways, and uh, and about social justice and, and the muse and how he approaches things. And um, So would you consider yourself when it comes to songwriting, really a sole practitioner as far as putting it together, putting arrangements or, you know, what's your process, I guess, once you've kind of got the song nailed down, where do you take it from there?
1: Well, I think um, you touched on this before, and I think it's a great point is that, you know, I think magic is in the editing phase. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I will write as much of a song as I can. And, you know, I write by myself a lot. You know, I've written a lot of songs and, um, you know, when I'm stuck on something and I'm like, Oh, this could use this person's influence. I'll bring it to, I'll bring it to somebody. And, and, you know, Trav was one of those people. Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, what I'll do is, you know, I'll start with a raw idea and like, I'll kind of, um you know, compile one-liners and little, you know, sometimes a music thing, a little riff or a chord progression, you know, it could come from anywhere. And then eventually when your one-liners start to line up with music that you're working on, okay, this has legs and, you know, you could hit the ground running from there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you get a verse and a chorus, that's a a good thing to start with because then, you know, you write some more verses you have your chorus you know it doesn't need a bridge and now is, yeah i'm sorry i'm cutting you off but is is the guitar your go-to
0: writing instrument or you know do you work with other instruments to uh guitar put it together?
1: mainly guitar okay i want to write on piano more um because i love playing piano but uh yeah it's mostly guitar but i i Again, I do a lot of writing in my head. you know a lot of times a lyric will be accompanied by a melody in my head, so mm-hmm. when I write it down, I hear that melody, and I will go back to the guitar later on and try and suss out the chords behind that melody and um, so you know it, it happens different every time, but that's generally how I will hear a song or you know so I write in my head a lot.
0: Let me ask you this: when you're writing in your head this may be a left field question. Do you write in a particular genre? Like "Eh, this is going to be a rocker. This is more of a folky. This is more of a Americana.
1: Yeah. Does that come to
0: mind or, you know?
1: Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I could hear like a whole arrangement and um, yeah, I think that that definitely happens because, you know, I also think there's um, all the music I've, been influenced by, you know, my ideas get filtered through that lens and, you know, mm-hmm. that's how, you know, I would hear something and, you know, I'll, when I flesh it out on the guitar or, uh, you know, and then start cutting demos of it in the edits, that's where I'll like really shape it. But that initial burst, sometimes, you know, I'll hear, I'll hear stuff and make a mental note or, or write it down as fast as I can just to preserve it because sometimes if you don't write it down it's gone. Right. Oh, it's in, it's
0: in the ether never to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. You know what's interesting? I I've, I've read a lot of EPKs, you know, electronic press kits on musicians. I try not to read somebody's EPK before I interview them because I want to be influenced by um who who they sound like. And and maybe you've heard this, but when I first started listening to your music, I thought about REM and Michael Steik, for some reason. Cool. I don't know if if anyone said that. That's a by the way, that's a huge compliment. It I mean, just,
1: yeah.
0: Just just the way, just um your cadence, I guess, uh that that kind of jumped out at me. Uh, and the other thing I, I did, and I'm not like you know a stalker or anything, but I was watching your videos, and I saw a, <laughs> I saw a Jayhawks poster, and I'm like, son of a bitch, all right, I like this guy already,
1: man. Yeah, <laughs> love the Jayhawks, love REM.
0: Uh, and, and the Jayhawks I only I only just, uh, like John Prine, which I should have known for years really discovered in the past 10 years and, and the Jayhawks in the past you know seven or eight years you know and the Decemberists uh, I love all those Brandy Carlisle uh, I'm a big fan of hers as well and uh She's great you know, just just great stuff you know that that's out there so so you're Michael Stite. okay that's what we're gonna call you I'll I'm take it Peter <laughs> Michael Stite. Mancini, so, <laughs> hey, listen, I do want to jump into your uh, next song uh, that you picked out, which is Madison Avenue Blues. And I got to tell you this, when I'm listening to this song, what I'm wondering in my mind is, okay, guys from Queens, maybe you worked on Madison Avenue in Manhattan, gave it all up for music, you know, and and, you know. Well you know, washed his hands. Any any tell me there's some truth
1: to that or no. Uh yeah, there's definitely some truth to that. Um I wouldn't say yeah. Well <laughs> You're closer to the real story than you think. I um I got this job. I was leaving a bottle rocket show. I held the same cab as an ad executive. And uh okay. he told me, Oh, you should get in touch and then uh, you know, we'll see what we could do for you. And uh, you know, a couple of weeks and an interview or two later I had a job on Madison Avenue at a marketing and promotions agency. And I worked there for a number of years and um, yeah, you know, like that world of, of business. um, I didn't really excel at that in the same way that, you know, I. You weren't, you weren't, you weren't cutthroat enough. Is that what you're saying? Wasn't cutthroat (laughs) enough. Didn't have the detail, the, the acumen for it. Like I do, you know, I, I like, you know with music, you know I can kind of just create at my own pace you know in in business, it's a whole different world you know you have to bring meets me it's, deadli- it's
0: deadlines, baby, and impress the client and exactly. if he doesn't like it exactly uh, you're only as you're only as good as your last ad or creation,
1: yeah, and, and um, um you know it was a cool job, and uh but you know it wasn't where I was best suited to be. And I think, you know, we kind of, we parted ways kind of mutually. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just had to own up. It's like, you know, I've just been distracted by my music and, uh, you know, like I've been, I was kind of, uh, at a personal crossroads in my life as well. And, um, I think it was the, the right decision to, to step away. At that time. Well, I
0: think, I think you, yeah, you picked the right thing as far as I'm concerned.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. And, uh, <laughs> that, that part of the city commuting there and back. I I took the uh, express bus from Queens into the city and, uh, you know, it was just kind of, uh, with all the horrible, horrible, (laughs) I didn't really fit in, in that part of the city there. You know, I love downtown. I love the lower East side. Uh, but you know that, you know, I'm not a, uh, a Madison. No, I'm not. Um, I was, (laughs) but I'm not. And, uh, one interesting thing, one day I was coming out of work. I saw Noel Gallagher from Oasis. He was watch shopping. He was coming out of uh oh. Breetling Watches. Oh yeah. of course. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was Right. of I, course. I, I was like, oh my God. Like, you know, there's the dude who wrote Wonder Wall, champagne, you know, I, I'm a big Oasis fan. And uh, you know, I was just kinda like Did you run up did you run up to him dumbfounded and get his signature? No, or? I was just kinda no. like frozen in place. And then he he walked away. I was like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I should have said hi to him, but, uh, he probably just oh, would have man. been like, you know, fuck you and walked away or
0: something. It's funny. Cause I, I, I used to work around New York city and sales and stuff and we'd see famous people on occasion. We were out this guy, Vince and, uh, and, um, what's his name? Andy Rooney from 60 minutes was walking with his wife. Now Andy was about 80 years old at the time, mm-hmm. you know, he goes, that's Andy Rooney. I'm going to go say hi. I said, oh, please don't do that. And he runs up to Andy Rooney. He and goes, hey, Andy Rooney, can I have your autograph? And Andy Rooney looks at him and goes, no. <laughs> 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 and just keeps walking with his wife. It was like classic New York. It was that's perfect. Awesome. So on, on that note, let's, let's take a listen to Madison Avenue Blues, and we'll be right back after the song. Enjoy, everybody. Hey, we're back with Pete Mancini. Great song, man. I nailed it. I knew there was a story behind it in the first person. I'm an oracle, and that's why you should be tuning in. <laughs> and I'm also and I'm also humble too, as, as I tell my wife, humility is overrated, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to be a Madison Avenue man. So that's <laughs> true. she so you you got a lot going on, Pete. You got um you got a tour coming up, uh, up and down the East Coast but i'm really interested we'll get into what what you got coming up in the short term but tell me about um some of the people that you played alongside with i mean there's some a blues traveler i think i read mm-hmm. um you played with and and some of the places uh, i know you played at the um the blues festival the Patchogue uh, great south
1: bay festival
2: mm-hmm.
1: I, saw, I saw that video and so fill me in uh yeah over the years uh between butcher's blind and uh you know my solo thing. Um, gotten to play with some great artists. You know, Blues Traveler, like you mentioned, Gin Blossoms. Uh, recently, I opened some shows for uh, Jimmy Webb, which was great. And um, you know, played some uh, big rooms and some cool festivals, and uh, um, that's always fun to get to. Open for a.
0: Now, how how does how does that happen? I mean. Is it just you, you get to a point where there's a certain notoriety and you get invited, or is it your you know you're working with uh, an agent that's helping you nail these things down? How, how did you come across playing the big rooms and and going on tour and this other stuff? You know, is it all Pete Mancini working to get himself out there, or
1: uh, I mean, I do still do my own booking after uh, all these years, but you know, sometimes sometimes it's just a like sending out emails and then sometimes it's, uh, you know, just making connections through, through people. Like, uh, for example, um, my buddy, Norm Pruslin from WUSB, he, mm-hmm. um, he hooked me up with, uh, you know, Jimmy Webb and his wife, uh, Laura Savini, and they were looking for someone to help him out with some tech stuff. And, uh, it turned out that, uh, you know, I ended up being kind of an assistant slash, uh, understudy, Slash opening act for Jimmy. And uh, that's been really cool. So, you know, it it just happens in its own own ways. And like, you know, uh, the festival bills and Mm -hmm. the opening act. So those are the fun gigs.
0: Speaking of which, you're going to be on the on the bill for the WUSB anniversary concert, right?
1: Yeah, that should be a lot of fun.
0: And I think um, is Rory Kelly's on the bill as well. Mm hmm. I'm definitely going to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pay the money.
1: I'm gonna awesome. pay the
0: thirty bucks. Well,
1: you know. it's, uh, I think it's good for, um, you know, we got to keep I, I,
0: USB going. Unless you, unless you need an apprentice podcast slash podcast host to be off stage, I can do that too. Uh, I'm just offering my services right
1: off the bat. So nice. You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I, see, I have no say in that. But uh, you know, see the, you never see the know. Thread.
0: I'm trying to make the connections and weaves on my way in. You know, yeah. it ain't working. I can tell, Pete. I can tell by your face, it ain't working. <laughs> If you can see Pete right now, he's like, I can't wait till this is over with. Can you play another one of my songs and let me talk about (laughs) myself? (laughs) So what else? Tell us about the tour that you got coming up then as well.
1: Um, I'm excited to hit the road again. Uh, It's been a long time because of COVID. Um, You know, made touring pretty much impossible for a while there. But I'm going back down south, uh, you know, touring down the East Coast for a little bit and then over to uh, Nashville Memphis area and then, uh, you know, down to, uh, Oxford, Mississippi and, uh, Alabama. So some new territories I haven't hit yet. I try to, uh, expand a little bit more every time. And, um, Mm. I still have a few more dates I have to book for the tour, but, uh, you know, it's going pretty well so far and I just looking forward to, uh, getting out and seeing some people and playing some shows. Have have you played Memphis before or? Haven't played there before, but you know, been there small handful of times. Yeah, Beale Beale
0: Street is great. The Peabody Hotel with the ducks, Uh, but you got to check out this place. It's a rib place down an alleyway by the Peabody Hotel, which is three blocks off of Beale Street, called the Rendezvous. Mm. It's the best, best ribs if you're a rib eater. It's uh, it's great. Anyway, little plug for them. Cool. Had had good memories at the
1: yeah. You'd be uh, hard pressed to find bad barbecue in Memphis. Um, yeah, last exactly. time I was passing through on my way to the studio, we got, a central barbecue. And, okay. Uh, that is apparently where all the pit masters in town eat after they close up. So.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. It's
1: kind of like the, uh, insider's, uh, secret. Um, but I'm, you know, always down to trust. So I love barbecue, so I'll eat. Have you, have anyway. you gone to
0: Martin's in, uh, Nashville? Martin's. I don't. Martin's. It's a little bit off the beaten track, not on the main street, which is a zoo these days. We were there in, uh, in October
2: mm-hmm.
0: with other couples, caught COVID, very worth it. We were inoculated, so it wasn't so bad. Mm. But Martin's is, you walk into Martin's and it looks just like a little takeout place, right? Mm-hmm. And then you walk back and you go up the steps. There are steps that are like 20 feet wide and it opens up to this huge place with a stage, with a road behind it. And a big sound guy, and and the rumor is they're supported by Martin guitars, hmm. and and we and they had great barbecue. We 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 sat right behind the sound guy and bought him a few drinks, and we were like golden. But a great place, yeah.
1: You should check it out. They have acts that play there too. Cool, was, yeah. Uh, um, I'm sure, I'm I sure love uh, in Nashville. I love Arnold's barbecue. That place is really good. And Carter Vintage is right across the parking lot, so you get some barbecue. And then you go see some guitars that you'll never be able to afford. It's it's a fun afternoon. (laughs) Exactly. So,
0: (laughs) man, I I wish you well on the trip. It sounds like, uh, of course, you're going in the heat of the summer Mm. uh, to to Nashville. So you'll lose a few pounds. But then you put it back on with the ribs. So I guess that's the balance of it. You know, It's a off. (laughs) So do you go – so is it – you go solo, you you take a band with you, you pick up people along the way. How do you approach it?
1: I've done um, solo tours and full band tours with a trailer, and that was really fun. Uh, this one's kind of a mix of both. The first few dates okay. are solo, and then when I'm down south, I'm going to hook up with uh, some of the guys from Dialback Sound, which is the amazing studio I did my record at, and um, you know hopefully get a little power trio going, do some gigs down there. And um, I'm looking forward to that too. So nice, nice. Let's talk about the third song that
0: we're going to uh, showcase here. Why the building falls. Tell me a little bit about that. And we'll let our peeps out there in the world of the Long Island Sound listen to it.
1: Cool. So yeah, this song was inspired by a conversation I had with Travis. And, um, you know, we were getting bagels and coffee or something. And Hmm. uh, we're walking around and like, you know, there. are old buildings. We were in Malvern, which is a sure, yep. nice little town. And there are some old buildings and then there are some new, it's very, you know, stark difference between the buildings that were there originally. And then like, you know, the new modern architecture. So we were talking about how, you know, some people just kind of put siding on a house to make mm. it look new, but the bones underneath are, so it is with people and, you know, And then, uh, you know, I was like, yeah, man, you know, ask not why the building falls. And I remember it was like, whoa, man, like. There's a line. (laughs) Yeah. And then I kind of, Trav told me that I kind of went into this like trance fugue (laughs) state for a little while. And then, uh, and then I was on a trip. So I like cataloged it away there, wrote it down. And then I was on a trip uh, with my girlfriend, Lauren, and uh, we were upstate during the pandemic, just got an Airbnb to get away for a few days. And Sure. Mm -hmm. um beautiful house on like a mountain um you kind of see they called it endless views was the name of the house and uh they had this back like office room and i don't know what it was you know i I just went in there and it just came out so uh really yeah so that's sometimes like songs could take years sometimes it could take weeks uh this one came out in one one fell swoop and um Went into that room and I came out with this song. And uh, I love playing it because it's um, it just seems like, you know, with just talking with Travis, you know, like we kind of hit on some kind of new unexplored truth there. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of the song.
0: Nice. All right. So let's take a listen to Why the Building Falls. And we'll be right back after the song. And we're back, everybody, with Pete Mancini. And during the break, Pete and I were talking about, I guess, goal setting, you know, where uh, you want to be better than this guy or that guy. And I was joking around that I just want to be the podcast host who's less shitty than everyone who tries podcasting. But uh, you had a great line. You talked about a song, Pete.
1: So uh, Aaron Lee Tajan, who's a great songwriter, um, he has a song called Success, and Success, the, the line goes: Success isn't about being better than everybody else. It's about being better than yourself. And that's a, it's a simple idea, but it's it's one that's guided me recently. Um, kind of having honed my process over the years, and uh, you know, I know I'm ready to do another album when I hit that song that raises the bar on the last group of songs. Okay. So, just keep trying to write a better song and, you know, you will, everyone, I think the best compliment I I hear from people is like, man, the songwriting just, it, it gets better every album. And it's like, nice. yeah, that's exactly what I'm going for. So it means it's working, you know? Um, right. It's
0: like a, it's like a golf swing. You just, yeah, you're competing against, you're competing against yourself, right? Because you can, mm-hmm. man, can we all get wrapped up in envy and looking at, oh man, if I just did this,
1: like so-and-so does that, mm-hmm. and that's a that's a rabbit hole, I guess, uh, for destruction. To um, quote my friend Travis McKeveney, uh, to compare is to despair. Ooh. Yeah. Very good. Hey, we've got
0: gems here. That's going to make everyone stay and listen to the podcast all the way through. <laughs> yeah. We saved <laughs> hey, the good stuff for, uh, for the end here. For the end, yeah, and that's what I'm going to tell them in the front, you know. But then people race to the end and, you know, read the end of the book. So, yeah. but – um Hey, Pete, a good friend, I end my podcast this way, uh, and it's something that's r- rang true to me. A friend of mine said, you know what? We can account for what we have in our bank, you know, what we own. We can never, never account for the time we have left on Earth. So uh, the fact that you gave me an hour of your time, shared your music with me is, is a real blessing, and I really, I, I really appreciate it. I Thank you for it.
1: Well, thanks for a great conversation, and uh, thank you for you know, shining a light on the local scene here because uh, that's super important. And um, thank you for doing that.
0: All right. Send, send your buddies my way. They will be my welcome guests. So uh, anyway, thanks for being here. Everybody, take care. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Till next time, be generous with your joy. Keep your spirits high and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thanks so much for listening. Please rate, review, and comment on the show. We really love to hear from you. And call our listener line at 631-800-3579. Again, thanks so much. Be well.